Welcome to the Tech Pro Unicorn Podcast, brought to you by RPI Consultants, a podcast about the magic of digital transformation through technology. Each week, we'll cover topics related to ERP, RPA, business transformation, leadership, healthcare, and unicorns. And welcome back to Tech Pro Unicorn Podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by Marcus Mossberger from Infor, and uh, I'll let Marcus introduce himself. Thanks for taking the time, Marcus. You bet, Michael. Thanks for having me. So my name is Marcus Mossberger. I work for a company called Infor, um, and we are changing the way that people work um, with technology. And my role is uh, part of the go-to-market strategy team. I work with our strategic applications, um, but I focus a lot of my time and attention on the human capital side of the business. Awesome. And, you know, the, the human capital side uh, of Infor, I think, has came uh, just, just uh, massive, right, um, leaps and bounds over the last couple of years. It's been exciting to watch it change um, and, and evolve. And it, it's now, you know, kind of the, the showpiece, I'd, I'd like to say, of, of the Infor product, right, um, and, and keeps getting better with every release, which is awesome. Um, I, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about, right, changing the way people work and how are people working and, right, we've just gone through a huge shift in, in the workforce recently with uh, nobody really working in the ways perhaps that they used to work, going to offices and such, and the big shift to everybody uh, working from home, right, I'm currently working from my living room, um, and or working from home offices or such. Um, so, so with all this going on, um, what trends maybe are you kind of seeing in, in how people are working, the way that they're working? Yeah, I mean, it is incredibly different. So Infor has 17,000 employees and 100% of them are working from home. And I think the same holds true wow. for a variety of other companies. And so we've been doing a couple of things. One of the things that we make it a point to do, Michael, is we try to eat our own cooking, okay? And so we are trying to find ways to use technology to make working at home easier. I'm gonna give you a really interesting example right out of the gate that's certainly relevant for a lot of different people. Um, you have probably familiarity with our talent science assessment technology where we look at people's behavior characteristics and that team of industrial and organizational psychologists have created two new profiles. One is a crisis worker profile. The other is a remote worker profile. So the intent is for somebody to take the assessment and then we can say, Michael, are you going to be a good fit in a role that maybe requires some frontline activity where there's going to be some risk, there's going to be some ambiguity, um, you're going to need to have a lot of flexibility. And so this assessment will you know, help us understand that whether or not you possess the personality and behavioral characteristics to be successful in that role. And then the remote worker profile, as you can probably imagine, does the same thing to say, hey, some people thrive in, in an environment of independence and autonomy and others really struggle. And so once again, this profile is used to understand whether or not somebody is going to be able to be a good fit in a remote job. And, and Michael, I don't know about you, but I think 
we're going to see, um, you know, a few more weeks and months of, of difficulties, but they're not going to all of a sudden go away. And in right. some respects, I'm sure you agree to this, there's going to be a new normal and there will be large swaths of the population that never go back to work because they realize I can be productive and efficient working from home. I never thought I could. Who knows? Maybe our software industry will change, Michael. We'll be doing implementations remotely. So, you know, that's a couple of things. A few others I want to point out too, not for this to be an infomercial, pardon the pun, but, you know, we're using our continuous performance engagement um, solution to have regular check-ins with people, right? We're using our pulse surveys where people can get on their mobile device a quick question of the week. We're using our rave application where somebody can say, hey, great Zoom call, and they use their mobile device to submit a rave about somebody. It immediately goes to that person, their manager, and into their you know, file. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways that technology can be used um, to enable people to be pretty productive and efficient at home. I, I, I love it. Um, and I totally do agree, right? I, I was joking with somebody the other day and I said, it's, it's a bad day to be in commercial real estate. Because um, yeah. I just think, right, you're going to have offices just, just be vacant, right? Office space is going to be um, pennies on the dollar of what it perhaps is now because companies are going to say, why, why do I need all this when folks are productive um, from working at home? And, and I love the ta talent science um, product, right? And we talked about that when we did some webinars together. Um, and I just don't think that we're there yet. But but I but I do love right adding those additional profiles, because you're absolutely spot on with with remote workers. Um, people meander, right? They get distracted, especially working at home. Now you could be a remote worker and working, you know, from a coffee shop or such. But but most, like you said, most people are working at home, right? Where they've got kids and family and laundry and chores <laughs> and honey-do lists. And um, so it's really easy to, to get distracted. And, um, you know, finding out the people that thrive in that environment, um, I, you know, helps you best capitalize on your largest expense, which is labor. So um, right. I... Yeah. And that multitasking is a, is a, a challenging thing. I'm actually in the shower right now, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Prior, prior to starting the podcast, Marcus and I were joking and we said, you know, you, you, you know, um, occasionally you gotta, you know, you gotta put on pants and stuff right. to come to work and, and you know, there's a bunch of memes out there about people that get dressed from the waist up and, uh, yes. They're in their pajamas and such, and on the bottom, they might be in a shirt and tie up up top, and um, <laughs> and, and wearing pajamas. But uh, so it's 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 very interesting to see how how work is definitely shifting, and and the tools that are being used. Um, somebody asked me a, a, a an interesting question the other day, and they said uh, they were talking specifically about healthcare, and Infor has a lot of healthcare customers, and they said, um, "Do I think?" that ERP is going to be a priority for healthcare post COVID-19. And, and I paused a little bit because I, I had to think about that, right? And if you look at what's happening in healthcare right now, um, they're kind of taking a beating, right? Their high revenue procedures are all um, on hold. All they're doing is COVID-19 care, which is unknown about how they're gonna get reimbursed on that. 
um, they're laying off people because right, all their elective procedures are, are, are not there. Um, you know, and then I kind of, I took a moment and I said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to answer that. I want to get back to you. And then as I thought about it, the obvious thing was supply chain that came to mind. And I thought they're going to have to restart their industry, right? And, and supplies and procedures and surgical scheduling and stuff is going to be important, but maybe the human factor, if you, if you want to kind of ponder that and, and maybe you have some thoughts around because I think the human element of that, right? How does healthcare re-engage? And I, you know, I go back to what you said around like the crisis profile, you know, how, how are we going to deal with the traumatically affected frontline ER people in New York, New Jersey, Washington, California, um, and, and be sensitive to them and get them normalized again, right? Um, prior to the podcast, again, we were talking about some of the mental health um, you know, issues that are, that are starting to become, uh, affected. Uh, so, you know, how, how do we, how do we deal with all the human element? Um, your thoughts maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, healthcare in particular, obviously is, is as impacted as any industry right now. And I think you're right to identify, you know, the supply chain side as a real opportunity. At the end of the day, Michael, it's all about optimizing your resources. Now, you and I tend to care about human resources, but there's fixed and mobile assets and dollars and, and you know, many other assets and supplies that um, need to be optimized big picture. And so I do think that there's going to be more of a focus on having an enterprise view of all of the resources in a healthcare system. So I need to know where my people are, where the ventilators are, masks, beds, infusion pumps. I need to use, um, you know, Infor recently acquired a new real-time location services company called Intelligent Insights. So now we can tag every person or thing inside of the facility and know at any point in time, where is it? And where has it been? That's important for being able to track who's maybe been exposed to the virus. So I do think that healthcare is going to come out of this with, um, you know, a new approach to making sure they have an enterprise view of all of the resources on the people side, especially. And, and I think it's really important that you pointed out that there's going to be a real focus on, there's been a focus on the health and safety of the workforce, but mental health is going to have to be really a prominent thing that people pay attention to because there's going to be a ton of burnout. In fact, physicians in particular, I think the suicide rate with physicians is dramatically higher than other portions of the population, which is scary to think about. So burnout is a real thing for doctors and nurses already. You add this crisis on top of that. I think there's going to need to be you know, a real point of emphasis in addressing those individuals um, coming out of this crisis. So, um, and again, that's, not, that's a good thing to do in general, to engage people differently um, and to be more human about it. Um, but I think it's going to be really big coming out of the other side of this. It's, um, I, I mean, my, my wife is, uh, is in healthcare, is an RN um, in a lung specialty, right? So they're kind of on the front lines of uh, the COVID-19 uh, battle. Luckily, Arizona, um, knock on wood, hasn't been hit as hard as some of the other hotspots. So um, you know, I think not that any death is acceptable, but, but, you know, based on the population of Arizona, I think we have 168 at last count um, fatalities. Um, and so talking to um, 
my other kind of healthcare tech folks, right? We were like, um, I, I like what you said, and I'm, I'm trying to kind of pincer around to the RTLS uh, software because we were talking about interoperability, right? Mm-hmm. And big data. And what if we, we, we kind of had better insights to healthcare across America to track things like where are the ventilators, not just in a facility, but in America, right? Because mm-hmm. they're there. We need them in New York. You know, Arizona's not using ours. So why didn't we know that? And why didn't we get some to New York? And, you know, there really isn't. We've talked a lot about EHR. and We've talked about HL7 and we've talked about interoperability. And we've, you know, um, <clears throat> I kind of jokingly said the last decade was about talking about stuff. This needs to be the decade of what are we going to do about stuff, right? What are we, how are we going to action on that? Um, because I think, you know, what's going to come out of COVID-19 is the failure of interoperability, right? Because we don't know what we have and where we have it. And I'm watching like for the nursing shortage um, to bring it back to kind of the HR aspect. Um, I'm watching the nursing shortage in New York and they're, they're begging for nurses and, you know, there's like emails going out going, are you a nurse that has this and has that? And I'm thinking to myself, somebody's like manually tabulating a spreadsheet somewhere, right? Uh, and we should know, we should know what nurses are, you know, ER nurses or ICU nurses or are trained on ventilators or um, just that huge amounts of data that we have, but it's data at rest, right? It's not active. Yeah, and that's a real problem. I mean, when you talk about the opportunity and the need to redistribute resources, for instance, from Arizona to New York, I think the same holds true for our ability to redistribute talent across um, an an organization or across an industry. And we're seeing that in healthcare where there's desperate need for nurses on the coast, specifically, and in New York. And if they had visibility to available talent, through a talent marketplace, right? Um, Then they would know where these nurses are, what skills they possess, credentials, licensure, certification, and they could say, I need you over here. The the other thing that I think we have an opportunity to do is to understand who has maybe the behavioral characteristics and transferable skills to get pulled out of accounting or HR or, or, you know, IT and thrown into, hey, I need you to help replenish, you know, the supplies. And I, I know you're not clinical. I'm not asking you to perform clinical care, but I'm asking you to, to serve in a support role. Why would we furlough these people when we've got human beings that can be productive and efficient, again, not in a direct care capacity, but we've not thought in that way before. And we don't have access to that skills inventory, as you, you know, kind of alluded yeah. to, that would allow us to do that. I read an article in Modern Healthcare that was talking about, right, um, we're starting to see a lot of hospitals starting to do furloughs, and and, uh, the latest one was Michigan, and and they're furloughing, uh, I think it was 480 people. Um, But then I read an article, and I want to say it was Trinity Healthcare, that said, uh, the executive there said, you know, we really, we have a, a need for people whether it's to do tracking or, or to help in the parking lot, do triage type of things. And rather than furlough people, why don't we offer them the opportunity to come help, right? I think what we're seeing is a social dynamic um, 
you know, is this desire to help. Everybody wants to help in some way. We, we as Americans, I think, don't do well just sitting on our hands, sheltering in place at home. That's just not who we are. Um, you know, we, we want to participate in some way and help solve the problem. And, um, you know, it's interesting to me because we just don't have that data. We track a lot of data about our employees, right? We track that that where Michael lives and my phone number and my emergency contact and stuff, but we don't really realize, you know, other intangible things like going back to talent science, right? Like talent science would kind of profile and that maybe in these times of crisis, we could do different things and pull Bob from accounting to, to go out and help. Um, yeah. I think, I think what we're seeing is, is a shift in general where the generalists of society are going to be better positioned um, to be able to adapt quickly and say, okay, well, you know, that role that I had before is, is shifting and changing, but I possess, again, those transferable skills to be successful in a variety of roles, and I'm going to move over here. Whereas specialists, and again, you alluded to, you know, the furloughing happening in healthcare, and it's happening other places too. You know, if you're a waiter right now, that's not a good position to be in, but if you're a cook, you're still, you know, maybe making those to-go orders. So there's segments of society that are doing mass hiring, you know, Hy-Vee here in Kansas City, Amazon, and then the airlines and the hotels are obviously just decimated. And so how do we, you know, as a big picture society, um, again, create that talent marketplace to give visibility to those folks who are looking for something, even if it's temporary, and you know what we we also might see, Michael. I've been talking to some people recently who, even before this crisis, had lost a, a traditional corporate job, and they were having real trouble finding a new one. And over time, you know, one guy in particular, you know what he did? He got a job at Menards, okay? And he's like, "Hey, I, I love working with my hands. I got this part-time job at Menards. I showed up my first day of orientation. It was a bunch of whiteheads like me. It was awesome." because he's probably in his mid-50s, right? And he's like, the other thing I did is I kept volunteering in the community. And this, this organization I was volunteering for, where I would go in and help people who needed kind of a handyman in their apartments, um, they decided, hey, we want to offer you a job. So all of a sudden, this volunteering turned into a part-time gig there. And then he had this guy come and do an inspection for his home because he was changing insurance providers. And he asked the guy, he's like, hey, do you guys hire part-time people to do these inspections? And the guy's like, yeah. So now all of a sudden, this guy went from no job to three jobs, and he loves it. He loves all three of them. And he's like, I'm not going back. And the beauty of it now is he, if he loses one of those jobs, it's not that big of a deal. So this whole gig economy thing, I know it's been talked about for years, but this could be the impetus to really push people in that direction. Absolutely. I, I, I love it, right? I mean, I, I think you see um, a shift in jobs, right? Um, folks are saying, oh, there's no jobs. There's plenty of jobs. They're different jobs. Yeah. They might not be jobs that you just lost, right? If you're a nurse making $80,000, $90,000 in an elective surgical center and you've got furloughed or laid off, um, you know, you might not have the skills to go be an ER nurse or whatever, but Amazon's hiring, UPS is hiring, right? All the, there's a ton of jobs. Um, it's, it's interesting because we've, I've had a variety of conversations with folks where folks are saying, but I make more potentially now with the added 
money going into unemployment, right? Like, well, I can make more on unemployment than I can working for Amazon at $15 an hour. Um, And I I sit there and I kind of go, but there's no opportunity, right? There's no opportunity at, at unemployment, right? Whereas there might be an opportunity at Amazon. There might be, right? It's, I think it's what you do with the current situation and how you react that defines kind of, uh, you know, the leaders and the followers in society right now. I totally agree. And the guy I was alluding to, who was, again, he was volunteering, even though he was desperately looking for work. I, he actually, I, I met with him and he had this spreadsheet of like, all of the interviews he's he'd had, every <laughs> detail mapped out of you know you know who he met with and in the company and what their reaction was, what he wore to the interview. I'm kidding, he didn't have that, but he had a lot of detail, and it wasn't working. But instead of just you know throwing his hands up, he's like, well, I'm going to go volunteer for this unpaid for this organization. Yeah. You're glad to something. So the, your mindset is so critical in a crisis like this. I. I read just uh, yesterday that the Chinese, um, the way that they um, define the word crisis, there are two characters. One of the characters means danger. The other means opportunity. And so those two combined for the word crisis. And I think that's the mindset we have to have. What an opportunity to reinvent how people work, how people interact, how we implement software, how we deliver care. And if we go into it with that mindset, I think we're going to be much better served. It's interesting you say that. I I was talking to a gentleman who runs uh, an incubator kind of startup tech innovation startup called Coplex here in in the Phoenix area. They have a couple locations. And he said, um, I said, man, you know, I bet you guys are just uh, kind of sitting on your hands. Nobody's doing a, a, a tech startup or a business startup right now. Right. And he said, he said, you're right, volume's falling off. He said, but let me tell you, the companies that do emerge and start up in an economy and in a, in a crisis like this, those are the ones that make it, right? Because they're bred out of necessity. They're bred out of crisis. They're, they're a differentiator. Um, you know, they, they're, they're brass, brass tacks from the beginning, right? They just... Um, so it was interesting to me, and he said, we're getting lots of healthcare tech startups that are really trying to think differently about how we provide healthcare. And, and I, he, he gave me a great quote, and it was um, by a CEO of one of the large banks, and he said, a decade ago, there was two industries that were not meeting consumer demand and were very unfriendly. That was banking and healthcare. And now healthcare stands alone, right? Because banking has really transitioned over the last 10 years. When was the last time you went to a bank? 10 years ago, you had to go to a bank for everything. Now you can do everything on your mobile phone. Um, So they've really made that transition, whereas healthcare still go to the big building, right? And and go get your healthcare. Um, And I think we're going to see that transition in addition to, you know, all the associated jobs and labor around healthcare. I agree with you. And, you know, it's interesting. If you look at what the the virus is doing to the older population, you know, people who are older and sickly, you know, don't have a good outcome. Well, you could make that same analogy for the older, sicker businesses and industries that, mm-hmm. you know, some of them needed to go. And unfortunately, a lot of them aren't going to come back. And right. so 
The other thing to keep in mind though, you know what, Michael, we are all entrepreneurs and startups right now. I mean, we're all at risk. So we may as well take some risks, try new things because we're all in the same boat. So again, if you've got the right mindset, what an opportunity. Yeah. It's a, it's a level playing field at this point. I think um, this, this virus is really kind of, uh, giving us all a, a fresh start opportunity. Uh, it's just what you do with it. So, yep. um, are there positive trends uh, to try to end on a positive note? Are there some positive things that you think are going to come out of out of the situation that we're in that'll that'll be enduring going forward? Yeah, the one that I've just noticed personally, again, knowing that we're all working from home, we've got our video cameras on. You see the kid running around in the background and the dog, and um, I think we've it's kind of humanized work a little bit. And we realize that, you know, people um, have lives outside of the workplace. Now they're the same as the workplace. Um, and I think that's uh, going to be a good thing. I think people have a greater appreciation than of the fact that um, there's life outside of, of the work that we do every day. And, you know, sometimes we're insulated from that. And now there, it's almost like it's not work-life balance, it's work-life integration. And how can we make that better? People like you and I, as we were talking earlier, we love what we do. And so we've never tried to separate you know, our work lives and our professional lives and our personal lives. But I think more and more people will, I think, have a greater appreciation of that going forward. And that's, for me, a positive thing. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think... Um, I. For me, I, you know, being in the consulting technology profession, right, um, we always try to, for quality of life, get uh, clients to let us work from home. Uh, you know, this, this pandemic has kind of forced us to be effective working from home. And I think it's really shined a light on the fact that we can be effective working from home. You know, there's no... Um, real security blanket and having your consultant sitting next to you in the cube, right? It's, it's okay that they're at home uh, with their families. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm hoping that coming out of this, that characteristic continues and we can, um, we can operate a little more virtually for the quality of life of kind of the road warriors. Um, I, I think if you're in the travel industry, you are going to see a dip in travel uh, post pandemic. You're, you know, road warriors aren't going to be as road warrior-ish. They're going to travel less and planes are going to be less full and there'll be less flights, and, uh, you know, and we'll adapt as a society and as a world. It'll be okay. Agreed. Well, awesome. Well, I, this has been great. And I, I appreciate you taking the time, Marcus. I know we're all uh, in this crazed world of work, right? That, that it's become, we seem busier than ever. And, um, that's that's it's awesome and i want to thank you personally for taking the time and jumping on the tech pro unicorn podcast and talking about the future of work you bet thanks for having me michael awesome thank you marcus have a great day thanks for joining us this week on the tech pro unicorn podcast make sure to visit our website at www.techprounicorn.com where you can subscribe to the show and catch our latest blog articles. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Remember, unicorns represent the magic of digital transformation that occurs when business process is enabled with technology.